Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 78. This is day 14, question 14. It is also the 14th, and I mean, obviously, every day has been day 12, question 12. I mean, duh, but what I think is interesting is the question for today You'll hear it very soon, but I think it's pretty, what is the word, apropos for the day? And I'll expand on that. So today is Valentine's Day, or as I like to call it, Celebrate Yourself Day. Always trying to remind people to celebrate themselves today. And I talked to so many people today, and it was disheartening, you know, to see the reactions to this day. When you're on the other side of things or you want to appear that you're on the other side of things and you're just posting about your forever love or if my forever husband isn't around, at least I have my forever baby. It's like I cannot tell you the impact that stuff has on other people that are dealing with heartbreak and one could say they should learn how to handle it for sure. But it's still amazing to see how triggered people can get around this holiday. Some things that I heard where I can't wait till this day is over. I just want to close my eyes and wake up and have it be tomorrow already. I mean, it's just a day. Whatever you're feeling will still be there tomorrow. Again, it's wild what a day will trigger. But other kind of more interesting variations were, for example, from a woman that is married and she said, you know, it's her first year separated from her husband. It's just been a few months. And really, today is bringing up a lot of emotions And you can be married and still have emotions because you're comparing this Valentine's Day to other Valentine's Day. So you don't have to be married. You can just be in a relationship for now it's been a whole year. So it's your second Valentine's Day together. And you're comparing how you felt the year prior and judging your relationship against that earlier rendition. So just the heartbreak that people are experiencing and carrying around today in that regard. Then I spoke to another woman and she was talking about the really, really tiny heartbreaks that happen and just, you know, trying to line up a date for the night and then being disappointed because he really wasn't reading her texts. It was quite obvious from his responses. He wasn't paying attention And by that meaning that, oh, I really don't feel like this man is investing in me. Maybe he's just trying to get a date. Maybe he's just dating around. But it doesn't really seem like he's hearing me, investing in me. And then the tiny heartbreak, even there on something like Valentine's Day. So there was a lot of that. And that's what leads me to question 14. Let's just get into it. It goes off of yesterday's question, which was about, did you ever feel abandoned before your breakup by your ex? How so and how did you handle it? So today's question is a question that I enjoy, might not be the right word, but I think I um, gravitate towards more. And that is, while in your relationship, did you ever feel like you were abandoning yourself? When and why do you think you did that? I forgot to start with the little first part of the prompt though. So the date, the date is February 14th, 2019. Today I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel comfortable with where I'm at today, with what I do have, what I don't have, where I am today versus the year prior, 
what other people are doing versus what I'm doing, what I'm doing for myself that I wasn't doing prior, comfortable with just being on the move recently, comfortable in whatever my plans are, comfortable just in the decisions that I'm making and all the choices that have brought me into my day, whatever and however it plays out, comfortable. Again, the question for today is, while in your relationship, did you ever feel like you were abandoning yourself? When and why do you think you did it? I'm going to tell you a little story, and this story also plays off of yesterday's episode where I spoke about coming into this revelation, having, you know, not been able to go to sleep and just giving into that wakefulness. This is also a story that came from a night where I stayed awake. It took me until I was 28 to really see what was so good about me at 18. So respectable. I can picture where I was exactly when I had this sobering confrontation with myself. It was 4 a.m. It wasn't 3 a.m. It was even later. It was 4 a.m. I was in bed doing what comes easiest to me. Being an absolute insomniac. Some days, the consequences of this are torturous, but that night is an example of why I stay up just waiting, just willing myself into nights like those, confrontations like those. That night, it struck me that the difference between my relationships at 28 and 18 was that at 18, I was stronger. I didn't fool myself, and I didn't let a single man fool me. If he raised his voice, I was gone. It wasn't a matter of when, it was a matter of now. If I had some sick sense that he was lying, I sat him down until he looked me in the eyes with truth. If he looked away, I left. I didn't stay because a year of my life had already been invested in him, even if it had. I treated men like I treated the city I was living in, like the college I was attending and the education I was receiving there. If it didn't light me up, I moved on. If I wasn't growing, I dreamed bigger and chose what would be hard. New cities were hard. Beginnings were hard. Singleness can be hard. But my gut feeling always was that what's hard would be good for me. It would always be better. Even if I couldn't feel it right away, hard would always be better than easy, better than convenient, better than lackluster, better than bored, better than betrayal. Always better than me taking refuge in my own trepidation. Because the moment you start taking refuge there is the very moment you begin training yourself to stay, to make not enough all right, to see the trap as desirable, normal, or worst of all, inevitable, when it doesn't need to be. How does this begin? How does a mindset of smallness hijack the impact we have over our lives? Well, it starts with staying in something that's half-assed just because— Just because in service conversation, it sounds magical that your first boyfriend was the man who could give you forever. It sounds magical that you never had to date around. A life of smallness, a love of smallness, a smaller you starts this way. It starts with the cycle of recommitting yourself to someone who has let you down repeatedly. It starts with allowing the letdown to be all right. It starts with you normalizing it. Smallness becomes us because we make allowances for people. We create excuses for them. 
We reason away their lies and wrap our arms tight around their squirmy little chest until we can't make out a liar's heartbeat from our own. Because when you lie to yourself once, you create an opening to lie to yourself forever. I'm warning you, that opening can become very quickly a hard wound to pack. Do you know how many of us lie about the quality of our love? Do you know how many of us think our way into love more than we feel our way in? At 28, I knew for sure that I had spent the last decade putting my hours into becoming a pro at that. So many hours lying to myself about my own feelings, indrawing relationships out and forcing happiness into my love. Heck, at 28, I looked back and saw that for so much of my 20s, I was just forcing love in general. I was always forcing myself to be in love, but I wasn't in love. I was just sticking around, waiting for it to finally come take over my heart. And I was ashamed of that. I was ashamed of the insincerity that had become natural to my heart. Let me tell you, without absolute sincerity and love, relationships turn into something pathetic. That is what had become of so many of mine. And that night, when I was finally seeing clearly, when I was finally braving the reality of my behavior and love from 18 to 28, I felt so pathetic, so mad at myself, so betrayed by my own choices. You see, at 18, I wasn't gun-shy. And that wasn't because I hadn't had my heart broken before. It was because I hadn't broken my own heart yet. I was naive to all the damage we alone can cause ourselves. That was the beauty of being 18. I trusted that I would let go before the clock ran over. And I trusted that because I had never gambled with self-betrayal. When you start breaking up and making up though, when you start handing your heart over, then asking for it back or letting a boyfriend run off with it altogether, you are gambling with betrayal with smallness, with the trueness of your life. And truth is what makes life real and livable and juicy and glorious. Truth is what people lean in for. It's what makes a love story so magical. At 18, not worrying about the things I didn't know and how finding out would affect me is what made me so strong. It's what made my relationships honest and respectable. I wasn't staying with a man because I knew how I felt with him and was too afraid of what I didn't know about myself without him. I stayed because staying never felt like the wrong choice. I stayed because staying didn't interfere with my strength. What happened in my 20s was I wound up afraid of what my life would turn into without a relationship. I was afraid of how I would feel once my boyfriend was gone. I was afraid of what would become of me if I was left to sit with myself, if I was all I had. I was so afraid of that, of experiencing the extent of my own weakness. But here's the thing. Staying in a relationship that is letting you down doesn't make you stronger. It only makes your feelings of weakness stronger. That's why I'm telling you, staying can be a form of self-betrayal. Be a stain to avoid feeling weak is how feelings of weakness intensify, which then becomes the reason we latch on tighter to a boyfriend and why that tightness, that latching, ultimately winds up being the very thing which weakens and burns us down to our quick. And without enough courage or desperation, 
this miserable feedback loop can go on indefinitely. This is what I'm warning you of. I'm warning you that staying can turn into weakness, and that weakness can become a trap, and you might not even see it for what it is until one sleepless night a decade later. Do yourself a favor. Don't miss out on a decade of true love just because you prioritized your fear by hanging on to an unsatisfactory relationship. Don't wrap your hands around something you're no longer meant to hold. Take the cues. Understand that when a man walks away, when he lies or strays or goes missing altogether, that's the world trying to pull the plug out. That's the world jumping up and down, shouting for your attention, saying, on to the next act, sister. We've got something else in store, and we need to move you along. Sometimes you need to just go with it. You've got to let up and let life happen for you. You've got to lose the man to gain the love. You've got to lose the man to gain the love. I hope this is obvious to you, but please replace man with woman. Please replace boyfriend for girlfriend. Anything that works for you. This is really not me saying that men are the only ones that stray or lie. Trust me. I know that women do it as well, and I've done it. I've done it from betraying myself from really wanting to do the right thing or wanting to, as I said, force my way into a love. And that act of force ultimately is a lie. I think it's the hardest lies to put on our relationships because they're done to a degree with sincerity and their experience often as sincere. And so when someone finds out that that all along was just forced, that's one of the hardest things to grapple with because you're like, I've no idea ever anymore what to trust. How do I believe in someone's feelings? Do they really feel this or do they want so badly to believe that they can feel this? That they're trying to talk not me, but themselves into believing. When I say that you've got to lose the relationship to gain the love, this too is me saying that you've got to lose relationships in life to gain the self-love. I know it sounds cliche, but we use friends, we use family members, we use strangers, we use apps, we use TV, we use lovers, we use relationships. People that we actually love, but we just need to end it with. We use people to avoid ourselves because we've forgotten ourselves. That too is a form of betrayal. You know, again, think about it. Think about if like the person that you're with knew that you're with them because you're really just afraid of like the loneliness that you're just going to have, that you're just going to experience without them. I'm with you and I'm keeping you around because I just don't want to go to dinners by myself. I don't know who else I would ask for dinner. Do you think that person would feel really desired? Do you think that they feel special or do you think they would just feel like a placeholder? I want you to think about how choices like that, what they do, not just to the people that you're with in the long run, but what they do to your spirit in the long run. It really whittles away at your spirit. And those acts of betrayal, those acts of, oh my gosh, I'm betraying someone else and they aren't even aware of it. And I'm betraying myself to a degree that I'm not even aware of it. That's the thing that feels so isolating. We look out on other people 
and we see relationships, especially on Valentine's Day, and we yearn for it. We want to hate people for having it. We want to roll our eyes. We want to doubt them, all these things. But why are we not looking out on a daily basis and looking at the people that are standing alone? I say this and I mean it. Any fool can be in a relationship. It takes someone with a special kind of strength to not have to. I really want you to go out tomorrow and instead of looking for the people strolling their babies and you don't have that and looking for the couple that's holding hands and you don't have that, the person driving that nice Mercedes and you don't have that, all these things and you don't have that and you don't have that and everyone has it and you need that to feel that, whatever you're projecting, please go out into tomorrow and start looking for the person that is walking alone, that's in the car alone, that's getting up and going out into their life alone, that's a lot like you, and wonder what maybe they're experiencing that you haven't even gifted yourself the experience of. Wonder what freedom that they're experiencing, what superpower they have, how genuine their love is, how choosy they get to be because they know that they can entertain themselves on their own because they are no longer betraying themselves. Today's quote, I'm pretty sure I quoted it myself when I was talking in yesterday's episode, my favorite woman, Maya Angelou. I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. I want you guys to commit to knowing yourself better so you can do better. Think about it. After a breakup, if you bypass the stage of asking yourself questions, of sitting with yourself, of knowing how you feel, of just figuring out how your life works without someone and how you don't want it to work and what it would take for it to start working in a new way until you know yourself better, You cannot do relationships better. You're fooling yourself if you think otherwise. You're betraying yourself. You're losing out on a precious opportunity that will never be able to be taken from you. Try it. Just try it. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye, everyone.